0: Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co host, Caitlin Birdsall. And we are joined today by Colorado Mesa University Director of Musical Theater, Jeremy Franklin. Hello. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, you've been a part of this university for 16 years. That's
1: right. That's right.
0: And so you've seen a lot. And you have been a part of like this growing program. Where where did your love for musical theater start? Where did it begin? Let's back let's back up there.
1: Oh yeah, you know, um, well, music was a part of my life first. Um, uh, my, I had a very musical family. Uh, we grew up, you know, by the age of four or five, I was singing in church. My mother was always playing piano in church. And uh, when I was about 11 or 12, they um, decided to go on the road as a Southern gospel singing group, right? And, and so um, for maybe three, four years, I was on the road on a tour bus with your family, which, um, you know, when you're, I don't know if. If it sounds like celebrity, it sounds really awesome, but it wasn't celebrity and and it was as agonizing as you can imagine it at kinda times. It kind of
0: sounds like a movie, it, it <laughs> it does. Does. maybe a hallmark.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, the Partridge family did not sell it correctly. and um, But, you know, we were making music all the time. Uh, you know, it was just what we did nonstop. We had no money. We, you know, we didn't have the ability to go do cool things. So we made music. Uh, and so, uh, that really was where my love first started. And, um, I, I did, it, it wasn't until, you know, decade or two later that I realized that people didn't grow up like that. People didn't, you not, not everybody sat around, you know, and, and sang music. Not everybody got a music lesson at the age of five with their mom sitting at the piano, turning around and going, what, what did you, just do. Let's talk about that. Um, and, uh, so when I was 15 thereabouts, I, I was done. I, I, didn't want to tour anymore. I really loved school. Um, and while we were still in school, a lot, we took a lot of time out cause we would, you know, we'd travel for every weekend and go to churches all across the South. And so I decided I was going to stay home and, um, do school. And I did, uh, in fact, my family kept touring. And so I spent a lot of my junior and senior year, um, living in a house by myself.
0: I love that. You're like a rebel for going to school.
1: <laughs> I, I, it was so hardcore, let me tell you. And so um, it, that was really where I got into musical theater. I had um, uh, a great theater teacher um, at this very school, uh, small school in Arkansas uh, and who got me into that. And I sang in choir and I played in the band. And um, I had an English teacher who took me to my first big Broadway musical. Uh, and that was really where I fell in love with it. But I, I had not really ever made that big of a connection between, oh, this is something that still really happens as a career, um, you know, which is kind of silly when you think about it. My parents made singing in churches a career, you know. So, um, But I remember very distinctly, like around the age of 12, I had seen people. Beauty and the Beast, right? You know, the big Disney movie. And uh, I, I I was obsessed with it, especially all the musical, the big musical numbers in this, right? And uh, it was somewhere between there and me going back to school that I was like, wait, those people are alive and those people are still doing this and they're doing it for a living. I want to do that. Um, so I got into uh, college at Washdaw Baptist University in South Arkansas, and um, was way too scared to go into performance. Um, and so I went into uh, music education for four years. And um,
0: why were you why were you scared? what What scared you about it? If you've been performing at a young age,
1: I realized the second I got to college that I was far more sheltered than I'd realized about how the world works. And I was a country boy um, in rural Arkansas. And the notion of being able to fight my way to the top in New York um, just seemed way too frightening um, and so early on I kind of kiboshed and you know I think maybe maybe I'd had a teacher or two that were like, but you'd be a really great teacher and um, I did believe I would be a great teacher but I also kind of you know how you cancel yourself out I was somewhere in the back of my head I heard that as ah, and they don't think I can do that so maybe this is the smarter thing to do I'll just go ahead and be a teacher.
2: And so obviously teaching has stuck. You've been here at CMU for 16 years. What is it about teaching and maybe specifically at the college level that has kept you going and kept you here for so long?
1: You know, um, in addition to being musicians, my parents were both teachers. Uh, my dad was a pastor. My mom taught Sunday school. And we had a really high value for teaching teachers and the act that good teachers, especially. Right. And um, I think it was ingrained in me really young um, that um, being a teacher was a calling as much as it was a profession that you really had to be drawn to Um, that spark of education and finding how to make that spark of education, um, that it wasn't something you could get just in a classroom to learn how to be a teacher, um, and so I think that was really the big uh, thing that kind of has fueled me my whole life is that um, there's an act of service that's happening when you help someone make a connection between this thing and this thing that they didn't make prior to that interaction with you. And uh, so for 16 years here, um, but, I, but I've but i been teaching for 21 years. I was even teaching in college a little bit. I would do coaching and private student Studio, uh, and things like that um, so so really I've I, I was able to to start teaching really young before there was anybody there to go that's not how you teach or oh that's that's not what um, psychologists have studied and found true about teaching uh, before anybody could do that I had my own trial and error of, of like oh well that didn't work how else could I do it you know and sitting alone and and thinking through how people think and and um, what excites me about a topic and how to make that an infectious thing uh, for a student or students um, and and i think that's really what sustained me here um, for 16 years is this um, this real passion for seeing that spark happen in someone's eye when they're like whoa wait a minute i didn't realize this and this and this are interconnected and yeah that's that's the thing that keeps me going
2: And I could see you being a perfect fit here at CMU because I know for myself that's something I love about CMU is that kind of that everybody here has that passion and drive and they want to be here and they want to be teaching students and interacting with students like that is our mission here and so I am sure that's a pretty good fit for you.
1: It it has been uh, and um, really trusting teachers also you know I've I've always felt trusted you know in the classroom that if if something you know I did something and it didn't work as well you know. I was never like, don't you ever do that again. And don't you, you know, I, I had colleagues beside me going, well, okay. This part of it did work and this part did work. So why don't we like talk it through like what didn't work and maybe you should watch this or read this or do this um, to help supplement that. And so, it, yeah, it's um, for me, CMU has been a laboratory for teaching, you know, it's uh, especially my first five years here, you know, just really trying to get my feet underneath me and, and really understand um, what I was trying to accomplish, much less, you know, how to accomplish it.
0: I just got back from New York City and I went to a Broadway and I saw Wicked and the whole time I'm sitting in the audience and, you know, these actors are jumping around on beds and dancing and they're singing for hours and hours and just singing beautifully. How do you teach someone how to be multidimensional like that? Like you have to do so many things at the same time and you have to be really, really good at it.
1: That's a really great question. Um, The answer is um, I'm not sure. No, (laughs) Um, because everybody's a little different, right? There's a, uh, everybody comes to this uh, art form with their own bag of tricks already, uh, and then, and so, what they need is vastly different from the person standing right next to them or the other people in the room, and so it it really does have to be an individualized process. First, is okay. You are a really amazing singer. Every time you open your mouth, everybody gets chills. That's great, but. Um, uh, when you just speak words in a script, I don't believe you. Um, and when you move, you you at least know where your arms are, but you don't know how to move them as a dancer, right? And so it really becomes about helping them analyze first of all what it is they want to do, because uh, you know Broadway's a wonderful place, and it is usually where all of us got our inspiration, at least at the beginning. But it, there are so many different careers that a musical theater degree can lead to. And so, one of the first questions, and, and the recurring question is, uh, what do you think you want to do when you leave here? Um, and if it's, you know, someone that's like, I, my dream is to be on Broadway and I will not be happy until I'm there, um, then we're like, okay, do it all and, um, and get to the gym and make sure you have the stamina and make sure you have the skill set. And um, then we're going to spend time making sure that we learn how to focus this art form uh, to where you're speaking directly. Um, So it it really becomes multifaceted. I don't do it alone. Um, We have a team uh, because music theater tends to be multifaceted. Um, We want them to be um, adept in music. We want them uh, to understand the art of acting and theater. Uh, We want them to be able to move. We want them to be able to dance and understand multiple dance forms. I can't train them to expert level on any of those three, well, at least two of those three things by myself, right? Um, I can teach them to sing. I can free that voice. um, I can help it communicate in action. I can help it communicate in movement. But there's got to be people on the team who are also really pushing them to an expert level in each of those other two forms. And then my job becomes at the center to to pull all of those skill sets into a a coordinated performance and helping them uh, really understand um, how um, all those things work together. Um, I was a music student for a long, long time. I've worked with musicians a lot. Um, Musicians don't necessarily transition over into acting, right? Um, Because they're working in a primarily abstract form where emotion is something we hear and feel and respond to, um, where actors are working in a concrete form where there are words and we have to get to the underneath them and find the abstract content. So they're really quite different. And so finding a way to bring those two art forms, the abstract and the concrete into um, uh, a a coordination, it becomes really difficult. Um, And that that becomes the major work is to uh, really help them find how this connects to this connects to this
0: know music theater isn't for everyone but it is a part of our history I mean it's a form of storytelling that's been happening since the beginning of time right right what is it about this form of storytelling the combination of music dance acting that that just really brings the story to life why do we love it so much
1: oh well I you know what i I always think I know exactly why everybody else loves it um and and the older I get the realize i, I, I the more I realize I don't. <laughs> um, but what I can say is why why it stirs me. and um for me, there there is there is something magical about a world where, in the most heightened, dramatic moments of our lives, we burst into song, um where everybody knows the song. Uh, knows all of the movement to it. And we all perform at a high level um, as we work through this dramatic, issue in in our narrative right and so there's something um very communal for me to be a part of or to watch one of these huge production numbers in a musical uh they move me to tears um they make me laugh um usually simultaneously which is my like my favorite emotional state um And 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 for me, I think that that's a big part of it is there's something about the ability um, for a musical to uniquely pull us into a story, to pull us into an emotion and also pull us into a unity or a unison um, through these production numbers. Um, People that we may not, uh, you know, characters that we may not ever have any way to connect with. There's something about um, a big musical production number that that has an ability to pull so many of us in, in that way.
0: So it's bridging this divide, kind of bringing yeah. us all together.
1: Yeah. And and isn't that really what any of us are ever trying to do, right? Is to communicate and get people to see things, how I'm experiencing them, right? Um, and I think that that's the center point in music. That's the center point in theater. It's the center point in literature, center point in visual art. And all of those things go into, in the uh, center point of dance, all those things come back to musical theater.
2: And does say really the power of the arts. I mean, we talk about that often here at CMU is, is that shared experience that people have when they go to the theater and you don't get that really anywhere else. There's maybe a few other times in your life that you might have it, whether if you're a big sports fan and you go to, you know, a live football game and you're cheering on your team and there's 60,000 other people in the stadium with you. But it's kind of that.
1: All having that shared experience, uh-huh, Exactly. Right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So I do. I feel like the power of the arts is is powerful
1: (laughs) it is it is and uh you know i think it becomes even more important especially you know we're sitting in a in a podcast format right now right um and um, where we're trying to communicate to people um and you know i was just watching this thing about um lucille ball um this i don't know if y'all saw that new movie on Anyway, uh, about Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo and this, you know, at one point she had 25 million viewers, you know, um, there's probably nothing we will ever create that will have 25 million people having the same experience with us at that time. Right. Um, And and so. Our, our ability to reach out and to communicate with as many people as we once could are, are limited and more limited. And something about live theater allows that me to still have that connection with at least the 300, 400, 500 people who are in this room. Uh, same with sports. You know, if I, if we're all cheering for our team, suddenly they're running for this impossible touchdown and we're all having the experience together. It's this shared emotional state. Um, the, the, I think are harder and harder to have um, as we become uh, more full of content and and everybody gets to have a voice. It's harder to necessarily to connect with everybody.
2: I would think that's got to be a pretty um, cool experience for our students, especially those that maybe haven't you know, done musical theater or theater, maybe, you know, since like you did from a young age, but they finally get to it here. So can you talk to us a little bit about what does that feel like as a teacher when you've got students that come into the program and where you really see you were talking about the spark earlier when that happens? Can you talk to us about kind of some student experiences?
1: Oh yeah. It, uh, it's exciting. Uh, it, uh, because, I remember my own experiences and when a student finally gets those experiences as well, those experiences of connecting with the audience in a way that, um, you know, at first seemed just on the surface level. Uh, Probably one of my favorite, most favorite recent stories uh, was uh, right before the shutdown for COVID. We were doing a sold out production of Fiddler on the Roof and uh, I was conducting in the pit and uh, we had a, a local alum, uh, Lee Borden, who was playing Tevia. And uh, he hurt his foot and could not go back on stage. And we had two shows the last day and sold out houses. And uh, we did not have an understudy for him. He was an old pro, had never missed any shows, much like myself. And we're like, ah, Lee can handle it. And Lee could not. It it just hurt. He was too hurt to be able to go on stage. And uh, we pulled aside a student, uh, Chris Carnes, um, who uh, was a little bit older than uh, traditional students. I think he was maybe 26. And we're like, this is not going to ideal in any way, shape or form. But do you think you could go on and hold your script? And do Tevia for us these two performances. Um, we expect nothing from uh, you. We are asking the world from you, mm-hmm. um, but we have to do the show. We, we the show has to go on, right? Um, and he was like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, and, um, we did a couple put-ins with him that morning and, and made sure he understood where he was supposed to be. So nobody got killed during any of the production numbers. Um, and, um, I conducted and, uh, he got to the first song, if I was a rich man. And, um, he put the script down and just did the song and it was electrifying Partially because we had also announced, I had an, I think I had announced, I came out and before the, you know, I was take my bow before getting in the pit. And I'd said, just so you know, Lee Borden is injured and will not be able to do the show. He does not have another study. This young man has literally been put in two hours ago. And so the audience was with us too, right? They were like, ooh, something, something cool is happening. This is and, and either it's going to be a success or it's going to be a disaster. And either way, I can't wait. Um, and he, um, he stole the show that day. I, I, I twice uh, and both times we, by the time we got to the bowels, I'm just sobbing in the pit because he's done so amazingly. And I can't, I can't imagine. I know that it's just. That kind of special theater magic that we get, that adrenaline that takes over and allows us to do magical things that we're really not prepared for, Um, other than that he had the skill and he knew how to do it and he knew the show enough for us to be able to completely forget it, and I mean to tell you, that audience screamed harder for him when he came out for his bow, both shows, than I have ever heard an audience scream. Um, it was it was amazing, and I, I remember seeing his family after because they had you know they'd come over to see him play you know um, Butcher Number Three. And um, he'd played plenty of lead roles so here, so it was not a big deal. But um, I walked out to see them and I said, you had no idea when you got here that your son was going to become a legend uh, at this place. Um, and, and I really do think that he'll, it's, it's kind of one of those legendary
2: moments. I love that. And in that, you've mentioned that the show must go on. Do you think because I think for that is a sort of mentality and there is a certain perseverance and a personality of like the show must go on no matter what happens. Do you think students come to the program with that already in their minds or is that something that's developed throughout their time in the program?
1: I think it is something you develop over time. Um I, it's funny, I, I, we have a lot of students that come into this program and by five, six weeks into the first semester are like, oh, I don't want to do this all day, every day. No, um, I'm going to go into accounting, at which point my I, I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. You should go do that. If you don't like this, you should go do something that's going to make better money. Um, and it's really funny because uh, they tend to come into my office that day when they they need to tell me I've decided to drop my major. Uh, and uh, they always come in and it's – I can tell that it's just been something gut-wrenching and they're so afraid to tell me. I'm not really sure what they think my response is going to be. But um, but it is always, okay, all right. If, if you decided that, that's okay. Okay. Um, because if there's something else, you really should go do it. Um, because what what they get in high school oftentimes is they get to only rehearse in the afternoon, right? And so it's that afternoon after you've done all of the school classwork and you get three hours of hanging out with your cool theater friends, um, cool in quotation marks, um, <laughs> theater friends, um, before you go home and be with your family, right? And it's fun. And you, you even if you're in a rigorous program, it's fun. Um, and when you get here, it's like nine in the morning until 10 o'clock at night, five to seven days a week. Um, we are going to do theater all the time and we're going to talk about it in depth and you're we're going to hold your feet to the fire and suddenly memorizing your lines is just not enough. And so we 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 expect that people sometime in the first year are uh, that we're going to have a certain amount of students that are like, oh, I'm going to go study physics and. Um, and and that's okay because we as as teachers and um, all of which are professionals in the business know if if this is too much for you, then then it it gets far worse. <laughs> so so I think that that's it. If if you can get through the rigor of of this four year program, we do anywhere between twelve and seventeen productions a year. Uh, in, in our department and if you can get plus, you know, 18 hours of classes, you know, a semester, uh, if you can get through those things, if you can get through, um, You know, the performances where uh, half the cast got strep throat and we still have to do the show, Um, if, you know, if you can get through um, those really gut-wrenching times when you're having to delve more into yourself than you've ever had to do before, um, if you can get through those moments, then you have a good chance that you're going to be able to make it in this career.
0: My experience has been if you show up on stage, whether it's singing, dancing, whatever, whatever you're doing, you need to have confidence or it's going to fall flat. Do you teach that in your classes? Is that inherent? Is that where does that come from?
1: You know, confidence is one of those things that is uh, it's all but impossible to teach. Um w- it's interesting because artists, especially performing artists, and and you can watch biopic after biopic after biopic. The, that all these people that everybody thinks are the most confident performers in the world have these neuroses that they go home and they can't stand to not be on stage because the reality is too real. And um and and, and there's a truth to that, right? There's that that I feel very confident for the two hours that I'm on stage. Um, and, and then it's afterward that I go home and agonize over every moment and every detail that I did in that performance. And and so, interestingly, it's the students who come in with far too much confidence um, that almost always aren't going to make it. Because if, if you have that much confidence, you probably can't hear a critique. Um, you can't... Um, Uh, process the how to improve because you're already so confident in what you do and uh, interestingly enough it is those students that make it through the program who have all the skills, who have everything there but you sit back and you go, I don't know because the, the con, the, the, there's just a little too much belief in, in your ability and, and we have to be a little scared, you know, um, because it's complete foolishness to stand up on stage and do this. It, it, it really is like I, um, I, uh, I'm going back on stage here in two months with the students and performing in uh, the SpongeBob musical. And, um, you know, that's literally like two months from today. I had to go back to the gym today. You know, I had to like, start like getting my stamina back together and, and cause I haven't performed in five years and, um, but looking back at Five years ago, the last time I did it with the students, it was um, uh, Mystery of Edwin Drood. And every night I would stand behind the curtain and they'd be out in the house singing to introduce me. And I'm waiting for that curtain to open. And every night I would be like you could run, you could run, you could just run right out the door. Are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? This is insane. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is it. This is the night when you make a complete fool of yourself.
0: So a little bit of fear is is necessary. It's needed. I really
1: think it is. Um, because that fear is what encourages us to work harder, to stay focused, um, to, um, really step back and be able to critique yourself. And even when, you know, because here in college, like the students get critique nonstop, right? Um, and then you leave here and suddenly there's a vacuum. No one is telling you why they didn't cast you. No one is telling you why they didn't like that choice you made on stage. No one, no one's telling you. Um, and so you, ha- you have to become that feedback for yourself. Um, my greatest accomplishment, I think, is when my students come back and said, I just want you to know I have a little Jeremy Franklin that stands on my shoulder and whispers in my ear. And I'm like, that's great. That's awesome. How lucky for you Um, or how horrible. I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, it takes that there has to be a certain amount of fear. And then you get up there and you pretend to be confident. Um, because no one wants to see it, you if you look like you're scared to death. Um, and so you get up there and you pretend confidence and after a period of time, if you get to do the show long enough, or if you get to do, um, it, do this profession enough, it becomes less fearful. Um, uh, or, or you become like me where you're primarily teaching and you don't perform enough. And so when you do actually do it, it the fear is huge. <laughs>
2: So one thing I want to touch on before we let you go today is... You've been at CMU for 16 years. You've helped build this program up. And I think with theater arts, you know, it's really rich in history and we all have our favorite plays and favorite musical theater performances to go to. And then there's also a lot of new, crazy, out of the box, weird shows that come up that are amazing to go see, too. But where do you kind of see at least the arts going here at CMU in the future or maybe in the Uh, program? It's a big existential question. question. (laughs) Ah. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a great question.
2: Um, he stumped him. He's you a
1: talker did. too. It's impossible to make it's me a big shut up one. and you just did it. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's a couple things. I um we're coming out of, you know, 2 years of theater live theater looking very different than it has for the first 50 years of our department's existence. Um and, and, you know, one thing we've definitely learned is that um, uh, we did not get into this business to create digital content. Um, We did it, um, and uh, sometimes successfully and sometimes not. Um, And uh, my colleague, Mola May said it best. He's like, I did not jump into this to become a filmmaker. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, And while I, you know, that's certainly an aspiration I have maybe for later in life. um, It is not what I want to do while also producing live theater and um so i think that that's one thing um that's big for us right now is understanding how digital content still serves our department and how um we still need to in certain ways be connected with it and improving our skills that we've developed over the last 2 years um but more than anything i think it has really reminded us how important live performance is um Our season this year, um, the theme for it is show up. Uh, and it has this dual meaning. One is, Hey, the show is up. It is up on its feet. Come see the show. And the other side is, Hey, we're open show up, show up to the theater. Join us for these um, moments. And, um, So I think that that's something is, I I think that, you know, especially at the beginning of of the pandemic, we we spent a lot of time going, will we ever, ever do it again? Um, And then we got these wonderful opportunities to get back live and and perform again. We're like, ah, it's just as good. Um, It's harder to get there, but it's just as good um, and really important. And um, and I think that's the other side of it is one, we're we're doubling down toward live performance, but two, it's also about how many people can we get in here safely, but how many people can we get back in here to have these, um, these huge community moments, um, these moments you know that uh, we keep going back to Fiddler on the Roof in our mind because partially because you know it was this very successful run, beautiful show, Mo LeMay directed, beautiful production. Um, the, the audience really loved it. We, the highest numbers we've had in at least two decades Ticket sales, uh, every single performance sold out. Um, and, but then like a week later we were shut down and we didn't even get to celebrate fully like the success we had had. And so every once in a while someone will bring up Fiddler and we're like, Oh, right. Remember that completely awesome and beautiful experience we had both with our community and with our, um, our theatrical community. Um, and, um, trying to find those things that will bring people in for those shared experiences. That's become, uh, I think the real thing we're focusing on is, is making sure that we are, we are touching our community as best we can.
0: I think you said that beautifully because one of the things we've learned through this pandemic is being in a room together, watching art and being a part of it is, is so important. And it it shows that when we weren't able to be together, you know, having those shared experiences, having that unity, having that that interaction with one another, really, really did um, have an impact on us. I,
1: th- I think you're right. It, um, uh, you know, in our uh in our culture today, I think we, we have things that divide us quickly, right? And so anytime we can capture one of these moments that we all sit and we all laugh or all cry at the same thing, the more it brings us into the place of going, oh, they're, they're a lot more like me than I think they are, whoever they may be. Um, and yeah, I think uh, that's something that's we've lost in the last two years and that we're scrambling to get back.
0: We hit on this just a little bit, and I want to go back because, you know, Broadway is the dream, but it's not everyone's dream and it's not a reality. I think for everybody who's getting a degree in um, musical theater, what are some of the other professions that you've seen over your your few decades here?
1: You know... Um Obviously, there's the rest of performing arts. You know, a lot of people in musical theater end up going into television or going into film, uh, doing a lot of Shakespeare. uh, Shakespeare people tend to like working with musical theater folks, because, especially if they've had a little training in Shakespeare, because they have a sens- sensibility to rhythm and music, which is really inherent in Shakespeare performance. Um, so th- there's those things, right? Um, but I've also seen students who, in musical theater who... Um, have gone into the medical profession, who have gone into marketing, which, you know, is just another form of theatrical production, um, narrative telling. uh, going into business, um, you know, over the, uh, over the last couple decades, um, CEOs from time to time will write these open letters saying, here are the reasons we like hiring theater people. They come in understanding how to work as a team. They understand how collaboration works, that everybody has to do their job for the whole thing to come together. They understand how to think outside the box. They understand how to, um, uh, dig in and work hard for the deadline. Um, because opening night is a great big deadline, um, and so I, a lot of my students have gone on into performance careers, and I'm very proud of them and congratulations. But a lot of my students go into those professions, um, and, or teaching, or you know, all of which gets tied back into theater, and I think sometimes. Um, we forget what liberal arts is, right? That liberal arts um, is not necessarily you coming in and you picking that one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life, um, because who who does just one thing for the rest of their lives anymore? Um, but coming in and getting a theater degree teaches um, uh, these soft skills that um, the don't really show up in any other way you know you you have to go through these type of exercises to learn how to do them and so um getting a theater degree works just as well for going into business or any other profession not maybe any other profession but a lot of different professions
0: real quick favorite song to sing right now what are you singing in the car in the shower
1: down oh the road. wow all over the place really Um, my musical tastes are all over the place anyway. Um, what, what have I been singing? You know, actually kind of old school I've, um, I've had for like, two years now this song from hello dolly stuck in my head um and it's uh put on your sunday clothes do do you know this and probably because the song is all about like getting all dressed up and going out and seeing people and and being seen by people and uh, you know especially when you couldn't do that (laughs) um so that that one's the big one um there's something about that song that also like i really love singing it and love hearing it but it also makes me cry because it's just such a, a beautiful sentiment and kind of the production is beautiful, but yeah, that's, that's my musical theater thing. Um, I, I sing a lot of Lizzo in the shower though.
2: I love Lizzo. I can get down (laughs) to some Lizzo. She's amazing. (laughs) She is amazing.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It has been a pleasure chatting with you today.
2: Thank you
1: so much for having me.
0: This is the See Me Now podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.